0: Not gonna lie, it it feels nice to have that storm cloud of the trade and signing deadline have it passed. It's still a lot to do on the beach, still news to break, still things you gotta keep the ear to the grindstone for, but you know what? It's, it's nice to have that pass through, and I know I'm not the only one who feels that way, and I know I'm not the only person in the organization that feels that way. Just some baseball for a while. That, that seems nice. That just seems nice after a really hectic month of July. Good morning, and welcome to the podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. I do want to revisit a trade that didn't happen at this deadline, though. Because most of the people who got tr- traded, we all expected to get traded. I mean, the exceptions are, are Clay Holmes and Braden Ogle. Ogle was a minor leaguer for a minor leaguer. Okay, that's, you know, that's just a trade. The Clay Holmes one just came out of left field. I don't necessarily fault the Yankees for being like, hey, we see a good, you know, Ground ball rate, we see good stuff, good spin. Let's see if we can make Clay Holmes. I also do not fault the Pirates for being like, you know what? Let's cash out. Let's, let's, get, let's get Hoy Park. Let's get Diego Castillo. Let's let's just go. Let's get these guys and move on. But we all expected Rodriguez to get traded. We all expected Frazier to get traded. I kind of half expected Stratton or, or Shreve. They didn't get through, but no, I mean, Frazier, Anderson, Rodriguez, we, we expected those trades all along. One that was always kind of a very, very out-of-left-field maybe pick was Jacob Stallings, though. And according to Craig Mish, reporter down in Miami, Marlins made a run at him. Or they at least inquired. About him, I mean, it doesn't sound like there was any serious traction that happened. In the same way that there wasn't any serious traction of the Marlins calling about Brian Reynolds, and this is John Heyman's reporting also from Miami about how it was three three top players that was the Pirates asking price, three top players, which for the Marlins is three top one hundred prospects. That trade was simply not happening anymore. It that is. That is the very polite way of saying, please stop asking about Brian Reynolds if that is their starting point for the Pirates. Like, it's it's just not going to happen. And what did I say all along on this show? If the Pirates traded Brian Reynolds, it was going to be for such an exorbitant amount that you wouldn't care that the Pirates just traded Brian Reynolds. You don't see three top guys get traded anymore. I mean, the closest we got was Chris Archer, and one of those guys was... Definitely on a downward trajectory. One of those guys was very young, volatile, not top 100 prospect. But you know, like that type of trade is like the absolute max that you'll see anyone get dealt anymore for one player. And uh, how well did that turn out? Everyone got fired. That's how well. I'm not even going to put the comedic pause in there. It's just everyone got fired. That was a bad trade. That was a bad trade. So yeah, no Brian Reynolds trade, but a Jacob Stallings trade? That's something maybe we need to keep an eye on for this offseason. I wouldn't trade Jacob Stallings. I'm going to just put that out there right now. I know he's a valuable player. He might win the Gold Glove this year. Like, uh, it's Sabre, the Society of American Baseball Research. That's the stats that count, that get weighted in the gold glove. And he is ahead by a significant margin there. So it's kind of uh, like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can Jacob Stallings really win a gold glove this year? Well, the part that isn't up to a vote, he's almost certainly going to be the front runner there. Have to like that. Have to like those odds. Installing still has three years of team control remaining. Pirates have a lot of pitching coming up in the near future. This rotation next year very well could be Keller, in no particular order, Mitch Keller, Grice Wilson, Miguel Yahuri as three fifths of the rotation. Three very young, in Keller and Wilson's case young, raw, haven't been that particularly good in the major leagues yet type pitcher, but with high upside. Your hurry just hasn't had a whole lot of opportunity in the major leagues, but, you know, he can be a really good guy. Later in the year, I'm expecting Contreras to come up to the major leagues. Yeah, you'll still probably have, I, I imagine, at least one of Steven Brown and Chad Cool. I think that's fair. Maybe the Pirates hang on to Chase DeYoung. I I don't see that happening. I think if DeYoung is still with the Pirates, he's going to have to earn it through a minor league contract again. There's just too many people that they have to add to the roster this offseason. It's going to be a young rotation. It's going to be a young rotation for a couple years. I'd hang on to Stallings. You're not going to get the type of return, prospect-wise, That it's worth trading a gold glove caliber, good mentor for young pitchers type catcher like Jacob Stallings. If we were at a different point of the rebuild, maybe. Whenever Ben Charrington inherited this job in 2019, Stallings was not the starting catcher, but he was the personal catcher for like half of the Pirates rotation. So it it was, he by through that virtue is kind of an everyday player at that point. But Charrington took over. They let go of Elias Diaz. And now Jacob Stallings is who he is. It's a good case of player development. It's a good case of a player just being better, making himself better. That's what the whole goal is for the Pirates right now. You know, just get better every day. Jacob Stalings is the poster boy for that. The way he's elevated himself from being designated for assignment in 2019 to a gold glove caliber catcher is, it's incredible. It's a credit to him. He's not the catcher of the future, long term. we That was pretty firmly established this week. Or this month. Henry Davis is a Pittsburgh Pirate. Carter Bins, Fast riser. Who is going to be like the 12th I believe for the Mariners prospect. There's some upside there. Uh, and then there's uh, Abraham Gutierrez. Who wild card but could also be a major league quality catcher not to mention andy rodriguez is just clobbering the ball in the minor leagues to the point that maybe he doesn't play catcher anymore just because of the situation he can play first base he can play right field maybe he moves on from there just to make sure he gets at bats they have catchers in the pipeline in a perfect world though in an absolutely perfect world henry davis comes up to the major leagues in about three years and learns you know, the ropes from Jacob Stallings, who would still be under team control, would still be a pirate at that point. Transition into crafty vet at that stage of, of Stallings' career. It might happen. If this was a different situation where Jacob Stallings was more established, he was established as a Starling Marte, as a Josh Bell, as a Joe Musgrove, as a Jamison Tyon, whenever Charrington was making those trades, I think it would be different. I think it would be a, look, let's just maximize the return. Let's get back as many prospects as we can. I think the Pirates, not to say that they're past that phase, you know, they're, they're always going to be looking to add talent in other ways. But I think we have seen the last big Pirates sell-off. I mean, we, we might see Brault or Cole, or maybe even Stallings or, you know, just veterans get moved in 2022. They're not expected to be a competitive club in 2022 yet. But the big, you know, sell-offs of going to the trade deadline or going to the winter meetings and being like, hey, we've got guys available and parts of the bell of the ball. Those days are over, I feel. At least for a while. It's now in the development, getting these guys up to the major leagues, getting these guys acclimated. I don't think Stallings getting traded jives with that. It doesn't flow with that. It, it kind of goes counterintuitive at that point. Yes, you always need to be focusing on player development. Yes, you always need to be focusing on player acquisition. A lot of the discussion, I think, is going to be shifting to player development now. Most of the players that the Pirates have in their system right now, the next time this is a competitive team, it's going to be some combination of those players. Frankly, I, I don't think a 2023 draft pick is going to be part of you know, a really competitive Pirates team under Ben Charrington's leadership, unless the Pirates are already competitive beforehand. Like, the Pirates are not going to wait until 2027, 2028 to be competitive again. No, no, that's just not going to work. It has to be about development, getting the best players you can right now, and seeing that growth go through. Jacob Stallings makes those pitchers better. I don't blame the Marlins at all. Probably the best collection of young pitching in all baseball, and most of it Major League Ready. They are... They might win the division in 2022, people. I'm serious. With with Lizardo in the mix and a healthy 6-0 next year, like that is a great young rotation. I do not fault them one bit for Jacob Stallings. I don't fault them one bit if they overpay for Jacob Stallings, but it's for exa- they want him for the exact same reasons why the Pirates need him. And I just don't see how it really flows with what the Pirates are doing right now if they trade Jacob Stallings this offseason. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. Welcome back to the podcast to be named later. Let's talk a little bit about the pitching depth. Because on Wednesday, Stephen Brault finally made his first start of the season. It's been a a long road for him getting back. Tough injury at the beginning of the year. Missed two-thirds of it. The way it was presented in spring training, it didn't really click until afterwards. Like, he's going to miss most of this year. But he's here now. He gave four pretty good innings in that first start. Pitch count got a little high. If you know Stephen Brault, that was pretty pretty average Brot. you know, in terms of performance. Usually he'll give you another inning or two, but just, all in all, a fine first rehab start back. Short, The lease was a little shorter. That's fine. After the game, Derek Shelton said it's going to be a six-man rotation moving forward for a bit. Which, we've seen the Pirates do this before. They did it uh, before the All Star break, they didn't have a formal sixth guy. They they called up Kranick twice. They gave another start to Ponce. Okay, that's that's what that was there, and I guess this is what it's more or less going to be right now. I don't know how they're going to really operate with six until Chad Cole comes back, especially since Kranick was just optioned down. So maybe Kranick comes back up. Maybe they select someone. Like I I don't know, a Steven Wright, a Bo Slusser. I mean we're we're just talking about different options at that point, but they'll 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 have six throughout most of the year. That's kind of what this rotation is gonna be the rest of the year though. It's gonna be a lot of mixing and matching, it feels like especially since, I mean, not to say Tyler Anderson was, you know, an outstanding pitcher, a great pitcher. You know you could give him the ball, and he's going to give you five innings. You don't have that guarantee, really, with the rest of the rotation right now. Even the guys who are having good seasons or, you know, have decent results overall, you know, Baker, cool since he's come off the injured list. They, they could still, you know... Just burn out and be gone after three or four innings. Especially Brubaker, who they've had to start not that long ago where they limited his pitch count. And they're like, hey, you're going out there for four innings. It's a Mike socialism So Socia would go, you know, hey, especially to a struggling pitcher, be like, hey, you're going five innings today. I don't care if you got a perfect game going. I don't care if you're... Well, maybe if you get absolutely wrecked, <laughs> you get pulled a little sooner. But it's like, you're going five. And usually those starts go pretty well because, you know, less at-bats, third time through the order. Pitcher doesn't have to worry about trying to save something for the sixth or seventh. You know, maybe you play it up a little bit. You know, that's stuff plays up. It's, it's something like that. Maybe the six-man rotation affords the Pirates this. And they're basically operating, or have operated this whole year, with 14 pitchers. So they would just go back to what a projected normal bullpen for next year would be. How do you operate in 2022, though? How do you operate next year post-pandemic? Because it's going to be a weird middle ground. You can't really say, oh, this guy barely, you know, he lost a lot of competitive innings in 2020. You can't cater too much around that, but you also can't ignore it. You can't pretend that two years ago, this guy pitched, you know, 30 competitive innings, 30, 50, whatever it is, max, where normally normal year, he'd pitch 150, and there was a lot of throwing and other stuff in between, so it's not like he didn't do anything for three, four months in there. I mean, there was that second spring training, there was a buildup, there was... Throwing bullpens and side sessions and sim games, you know, in backyards, that's what they had going on. So even though it was 40, 50 innings of competitive baseball, which is the highest stress, how do you leverage those other innings? That's all been a factor into this, but how does it go into 2022? Because next year, unless Major League Baseball makes another exception, we're going back to the 13-13 division for pitchers and position players. Can you really operate with a six-man rotation for extended periods of time? I mean, we've seen seven-man bullpens recently. It's not like it's this unheard-of idea in baseball. I mean, 2017, 2018, most bullpens were seven people deep. Games also changed a little bit. I strongly suspect the designated hitter is going to be full-time in both leagues, and that stinks. I don't like that. But i that's my expectation. So bench jobs aren't quite as valuable anymore. You're going to have less opportunities to pinch hit. That defensive versatility is still valuable. Maybe it's a little less valuable whenever you have, like, okay, we could have a guy who is solely an outfielder or a guy who is solely a first baseman. You know, build it around... That type of way. Go to bench that way. Roster construction is going to be different next year. Managing pitcher workloads is going to be different next year. I'm interested to see how the Pirates react to this. How the league reacts to it. But especially the Pirates. Because I feel like the Pirates have been more cautious than some other teams. And I don't mean that in a negative way. We will only know if the Pirates were too reckless. We'll never know if they were overly cautious. I am interested to see what they do next year whenever it comes to this pitching. Especially once we get later into a year and, you know, a Contreras is ready to go. Once we get later into the year and, you know, pitcher injuries happen, do you go, well... Maybe that's the type of year that a Steven Wright or Dylan Peters or just some random minor league free agent like a Chase Young, you know, pops through. 2023, I feel like most of this rotation is going to have come through the Pirates farm system, either through trade or the draft or international free agent. That's whenever we're gonna see the Priesters, the Majinskis, all those the Brennan Malones, potentially, even though Malone's looking more like 2024 because, you know, injuries and just a kind of rough year for him in general. But just a long list of pitchers who they they pass through. There are going to be less, you know, chaste youngs at that point. And maybe it'll be easier whenever you have You know, better feel the further and further we get removed from that really abbreviated short season, the better. But 2022 is that weird middle ground of I don't know how much you can cater to roster to adapting to the pandemic year and how much of it is at some point you got to rip the Band-Aid off. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast to be named later. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you find five podcasts. We got some fine podcasts here, too. Be sure to tune in Saturday where Jared Pruger and I, we do Young Bucks, which is the Pittsburgh Pirates prospect podcast. Go through whatever is going on in Major League Baseball or minor league baseball there, not Major League Baseball. We, We try to avoid that because whenever we talk about Major League Baseball, like the entity, we tend to complain. And that's how you can tell we truly love the actual sport whenever we complain about the bureaucracy of it. But thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.